the last episode of season two. I can't believe how fast this has gone by, how many incredible stories we've been able to share, and hopefully tidbits you've been able to take and apply to your own lives and business. We are going to end this season strong with our next guest, Monique Allen. As a lifelong gardener, business developer, and educator, Monique has dedicated her life to creating an alternative approach and sharing actionable information on how to spread a positive message and how we can all improve our land, lives, and professional satisfaction through lifescaping, trademark, <laughs> and compassionate business building. Monique is the CEO and creative director of The Garden Continuum. In this episode, you're gonna hear her aha moment to start her business 30 years ago, the way nature can act as a powerful tool to regulate oneself, and how Monique developed that lifescape method. Enjoy this episode. You're gonna take so much from it. I sure did. And we'll see you in the next season. Welcome to the Lay the Course podcast, a show featuring women in business who every day are pursuing their life's passion through their work. Inspiring stories by incredible women. And now here is your host, Kelsey Stein. So Monique, tell us everything we need to know about you. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, so I started in business pretty young. Um, I, you know, I was 18 years old and I got introduced to the landscape industry. I had no idea mm-hmm. what it was, but I got introduced young and it seemed normal for me because my family, I, there were a lot of self-employed people. My father's an immigrant from the Middle East. And um, his family was self-employed. And so he was self-employed here. My grandmother was self-employed. So this sort of idea of self-employment didn't seem like a, like a big scary thing or anything sure. totally new. It was actually a choice. Um, the fact that I found landscaping though is really pretty incredible because I basically wanted to be a dancer and own a Porsche. Like, <laughs> you know, I, landscaping was not, you know, what I, what I thought. Um, but I found it and um, I really, really fell in love with it. And then I've been iterating on that industry. Now I am entering my 37th year. Oh, congrats. <laughs> That's a huge Thank accomplishment. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, you know, everything from soul, uh, excuse me, from like um, uh, freelance, lots of freelance work working while I was in college, working when I was working other jobs, like just really juggling all of it. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that maybe building a little structure and doing a sole proprietorship would make sense. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, embarking on family and homeownership and marriage and all that and thinking, oh, maybe a corporate environment would make sense. So a lot of the iteration is um, organic Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I can see it. I don't know if I could always see it looking forward, except I always had sort of a vision of what I wanted to achieve next. Sure. Okay. So like, what was the point where you realized like landscaping was it? Because 18 is pretty young to start a business. And what yes. was the first kind of <laughs> visible step that you see where it's like, this is what I want to accomplish and go for? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. So when I was um, 18, you know, that was when I like, I just, I was invited to come out and just go and do some mulching, like Mm -hmm. really just, it was so basic. And um, I grew up with some trauma, um, some abuse in the household, very loving parents, but kind of messy. And, um, and so 
there is a regulating factor of nature. This is, you know, it's a big part of the, I wrote a book called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is about how, what we need to be doing is helping to regulate the human experience um, into calmness so that we can deal with the upheavals in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I wrote the book looking back, couldn't have known it at 18, of course. Mm-hmm. But when I was 18 and then 19 and then 20, I was in college trying to find myself out, feeling kind of lost, having my hands in the soil, um, planting flowers. Um, I really lucked out and found a, a wonderful uh, woman mentor mm-hmm. and then ended up working with lots of women in the field, um, women who were, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, my senior um, was amazing because I needed grounding. So initially for me, the grounding wasn't so much about the landscaping. It was about the contact with nature. It was about the contact with these amazing women. Um, Starting the business was ambition, right? So this was the point where I had finished college. I'd gotten a degree in entrepreneurship and I became ambitious I I started to see what you could do. Mm-hmm. And I started to see the unique angle that I had, you know, as a woman in a very male dominated field. And so I decided to make a go of it. I asked my mentor if she wanted to go into business with me, which she didn't, which was completely fine. She and I are still friends today. Um, just not her shtick, you know, not what she wanted to do. Um, and, um, and that's really what I knew. It was like, I had learned something about business and I had realized that I actually had something. And I will tell you that the real, like that, you know, that aha, that click that says I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody kept saying to me, when are you going to get a real job? When I got out of college, because I'd been landscaping. Like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get a real job? And I like got planted in my head. Mm-hmm. So I went and interviewed. This was at the high, at the beginning of recycling. So this is in the late eighties. And uh, I interviewed. And when I went into the interview, they gave me, uh, they offered me coffee and they offered it to me in a styrofoam cup. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't I here for like a recycling job? And you're giving me a styrofoam cup, a non-recyclable item. And it was at that moment that I realized the whole world, the whole, like it needed to change. And I realized that I was going to be part of that change. And I put the cup back down and I said, I have a real job. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it. So that, oh, that was it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like the immediate, yeah. I love you. So the aha moment of like, no, I'm going to like make a huge impact. I have a job. I think it yes. gets confusing with people where it's like, oh, you're not working 40 hours a week right now. That's not a real job. And it's like, it's, it's the value you're putting in there, you know? It's right. <laughs> right. And with my work, um, and this still happens today, I can tell you from firsthand experience Parents aren't jumping out of their skin, hoping that their kids become landscapers. Like it's, it's still, it has lost its, its nobleness. Like we don't think about the work we do as noble work, but what I've done in my company is I build the structure of the company so that it is noble work. And I think that's the messaging that I'm trying to bring around it uh, to it. Um, so when people are saying to me, when you get a real job, well, it's because I'm driving around a pickup truck and I'm dirty and I don't have a desk mm-hmm. and they, you know, well, now I have a desk, but you know, I didn't have a desk. And so, um, so I think there's, there was like sort of this perspective that I, I didn't, I was too young to, 
to articulate the fact that it was a real job until that moment where I felt like, wow, I don't want to do this. What I'm doing is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I had so much steam from that, right. It just, it, it just sort of powered the engine of, of moving forward and taking that big leap. Oh, I love it. So, um, I want to talk about like about your business, about how you cultivated that culture, because like I was looking through your website and stuff and it does like your approach and your connection, um, or even your term lifescaping and your connection with like people in their environments. Like it seems different than like, oh, we'll come like make the front of your house look pretty, you know, like I, you, you have like a deeper Go in, go into that. Talk about yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the and the great thing about this is, you know, this is something that I think anyone can um, can look at, at um, and think about, like how do we how do we create our unique position in a market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece of it, which is so satisfying to me, is that every single human being can take this on, mm-hmm. right? Because lifescaping isn't really all and only about nature and gardening lifescape you can lifescape your business you can lifescape your marriage you know you can lifescape your um you know your connection to your spirituality i mean lifescaping for me is really about taking a life and shaping it and with landscaping which i mean i do every day right i mean this is what i do I, i i build beautiful landscapes but um, when I was saying stop landscaping, start landscaping, what I was really saying is a landscape is something you look at. It's quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a beautiful picture. And we look at it. We think of landscape painting, landscape vistas. Mm-hmm. A landscape is something you live in. It's vital. It mm-hmm. has vibration that actually has connectivity with the human being, with the human being, the human soul, the human spirit. Mm-hmm. Um if you're having a really, really tense and stressed day, um, going outside and just sitting with a little bit of sunshine, getting that vitamin D in from the sun, right? <laughs> so <laughs> um, crucial. <laughs> yes, so good. Um, you know, and 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 listening to the birds and just feeling the breeze, like you know that if everything just went to hell in a handbasket at work and you go out and you do that, you know, if you can sit in there for good 15 minutes, you can regulate. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do fancy meditation. You don't have to get into some kind of twisted pretzel posture. Mm -hmm. You can just be out there and regulate. And that's what lifescaping is. And so the idea was we wanted to bring that to every one of our clients, commercial and residential. And so what I did was I merged Uh, regenerative land care or regenerative agriculture, which is really about the regeneration process of taking something that is, um, it could be broken, it could be injured, it could be unhealthy, um, it could be um, kind of empty of nutrients or whatever, and you're, you're regenerating it. You know, this can happen for humans, this can happen for land. And that was really the seed for lifescaping, which then became the seed for my coaching practice, which is all around regenerative business. Sure. Wow. It's, it's amazing that, yeah, it's this full, uh, like landscaping to person. Like you took these methods and applied it like throughout. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So starting, you said you were in business 37 years now. Um, and just with like the, the nature aspect of it, of like kind of the power of going out there, yeah, soaking up the sun and hearing nature and being maybe removed from like technology or kind of stuff like that. Have you seen changes with your clients on things they need to shape with how the world has changed with like technology and social media 
and those types of things? That is such that is such a good question and so well-timed, right? Because I definitely was seeing it before. So I've been in business long enough that I've seen lots of different shifts in culture and market. So mm-hmm. when you think about... Um, the Great Recession, so many things changed yeah. in the Great Recession. And we had to, you know, we had to, a lot of people had to deal with changes in their lives, changes in how they use disposable income, how they had, you know, whether they had jobs or that to downsize, whatever. And then now with the pandemic, which has created this great resignation, we've seen a lot more changes happening and people have done, have had an incredible return to home. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I'm not sure that there has been a very deep integration of health, right? So Mm -hmm. what it has allowed us to do is we have all these people now who have home offices and they're home more. So they like take lunch outside in their own yard. So they're broken down pattery patio. They're like, we have to fix this, you know, or they, have a window from where they set up their desk and they look out and they see like right into like across their yard and into their neighbor's driveway. And they're like, I really think it could be better, you know? So we're really trying to help people very physically and tactly come into nature, but then we're also trying to help them to feel more kind of like just at home at home. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And interestingly, we have some commercial properties and we're doing the same thing there. It's like, how do you make that feeling of at home at work where sure. you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring calm and comfort. Mm-hmm. You're trying to bring psychological safety that all of those things, nature, she's brilliant mm-hmm. and you're just brilliant. So if you can, if you can get the health and vitality, right. So the landscape method is it has to be organized, healthy, and have wow factor because as human beings, we love wow. We do. Mm-hmm. We might say we don't, but we do in all different <laughs> shapes and forms, right? We love that. Interesting. <laughs> right, right? <laughs> yeah. So organization is so important, not because we need to strive for perfection. It's just because we need to strive for things being intuitive. Mm-hmm. We're like, I wouldn't trip or fall or get bonked. So yeah. we need organization and then we need health, not because I would understand. Well, I would, but somebody who wasn't um, in the landscape, like they might not understand the difference between a high, vibrant, healthy plant and not. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, but their intuition and their vibration does. Mm-hmm. So if they're sitting near a broken down landscape, they're not getting fed. If they're in a landscape that's really vibrant and healthy, not only are they getting fed, but you will notice that's where the bumblebees and butterflies and that's where the birds are. And all of that is what charges up the human spirit. Yeah, man, just not, like just the bit you're talking right now in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, the connection of nature and your environment, how well it plays in with business, like how yes. much, like even how you said the two plants kind of together and the nature around it, like maybe the certain coworkers that are in the same room and like what they need to really thrive. And I, th- yeah. I totally see how you like merged it and it's like beautiful. And yeah, the power of nature, I feel like it's just everything. <laughs> it's everything, right? And the, the thing that I love so much about this, and I'll t- I have to say when I started out, you know, it was really all plants, all soil, all gardening, all the time, you know, it wasn't thinking as much about business, but bringing this back to business, the thing that I feel so excited about, like in the last, 
you know, like decade and a half of my work has really been about how to look at business as something that feeds us as opposed to depletes us. Mm. So a lot of times when I think about entrepreneurs deciding to make a leap into a business, whether it's just doing it part-time as a side hustle or doing it like, you know, full bore that a lot of times what ends up happening. And I see this in my coaching practice so much, what they loved, what was their passion um, no longer has the spark underneath it to keep the embers going because what's happening is there are things about business that will deplete you. Mm-hmm. And the best analogy I can come up with, with something like that is, you know, like puppies are really cute, but, but if they're not tended to well, they can be a real pain and a disaster because they eat stuff and they, you know, and it's just, so it's like things that are really worth it need really focused attention. And so what I try to do with regenerative business is always to help people look back at where was the passion? Where was that kernel of passion, that seed? What are the things that need to keep that ember ignited? And then what is the what is the dutiful work of service that we do to tend our businesses? Just like we would tend that puppy. You might not be somebody who wants to take super long walks, but you love your puppy. So you do it. Um, you know, like it, it's how do we, how do we embrace the acts of service that our businesses need from us so that we get to keep the ember of passion ignited? Mm-hmm. Um, that just feels really important, um, to me and, and I, and I really think that, I mean, anyone that I've shared that with who looks at it, then they're like, oh, um, that's why I have to carve out time to do invoicing. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise it's just, if you're constantly doing things you don't love, that's when burnout comes. That's when all of those, like, I feel like with businesses is like, you need to start with the passion and not the, I'm going to go into business to make money or <laughs> I don't know, something along those it could be both. I mm-hmm. think it can be both. I think seeding, one of the things that I have found is because I'm, I have pushed my business into like an altruistic model. So like my, we, we work a triple bottom line mission. Mm-hmm. So the triple bottom line mission is um, part of, uh, you know, compassionate capitalism, where we are always considering the planet, the people and the profits, and that there's connectivity between all of them. And it is very important and a big part of my coaching work is to help people find a real deep acceptance with their value so that they can charge well, so that Mm -hmm. they can earn money and taking money out of the dirty, you know, uh, category and move it into the high energy category. Yes. Oh, you should absolutely make money in your business. (laughs) Right. Yes. So exactly what you said, find the, find the value and then charging what that's worth. Like you need to have like, and whatever that value is like to have some form of passion, otherwise down the road, like you probably will feel burnout if it's like, well, I don't enjoy doing this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm going to mess this up, but I think passion, if you look up like the root of passion, I think it it's connected to the word suffering. Mm -hmm. And you would think that passion would be connected to like love or something, but it's not, it's actually, it's actually like, when you're passionate about something, it means you're willing to suffer for it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the, the, the amazing boom of entrepreneurship has, 
has um, forgotten to mention the truth. And that is that to be an entrepreneur, yes, passion is a really good, um, it's an igniter. It's, mm-hmm. but it is not fuel. It's an igniter. It's just the ignition switch. You need a fuel. And that fuel is usually meaning. It's meaning, purpose, values, all of those things. Those are the fuel. And then understanding that when you work in the entrepreneurial space, you are actually accepting suffering. You are accepting Mm -hmm. the fact that you may lose a job or you may um, disappoint someone or um, a product launch won't go the way you thought it was going to go. As long as we know that that is okay, that that suffering is okay, then it gives us every bit of power that we need in our, like in our psyche to look at it and go, hmm, what do I need to learn from this? Sure. So that next launch goes better or whatever. So um, I'll have to look up the word passion again, just to make sure I have that right. But I know it's something like suffering. It's, it's mm-hmm. something that's not what you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's like, yeah. I mean, that nails it on her. Nails it on the head, but I'm yeah. Hit that nail in. I don't know what that term is. Hit the nail on the head. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it isn't a picnic. Entrepreneurship, like, but it is because it's like, it's like, I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of invoicing, but when I, when I am, I'm like, I'm doing this and my business is running smooth. Like, I, like you do some of the work that you never thought you would have done or, or it is right. some of that, like and suffering type things or the, the client that leaves you a bad review or something like that. But it's like, okay, why, like, how am I going to grow from this? And yes, yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and the thing is, is if I, if I could go back and tell my, you know, my younger self, anything, it would, it would probably like, you know, yeah, sure. Take it seriously, but don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Like just remember that you're flawed. Remember that you, that, that screwing up is actually part of it. And there's a real difference between screwing up because you're lazy and screwing up because you didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And so you, you did something and then you realized when you looked in the rearview mirror, wow, I did not see that I shouldn't have done that or said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love um, that whole idea of like taking imperfect action for me mm-hmm. was really, really hard because I always wanted it all to be perfect. Like I wanted to make sure that my proposals were exactly right. But I'm in the construction field. It's really hard. So you had you had to be able to take imperfect action. And I'm learning now, and I'm sure a lot of the um, listeners in on your show who are doing businesses may have more connectivity with digital and social and all of that stuff. Like when I got started, I mean, there weren't even cell phones. There was no internet. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, learning that stuff after you've already done it a different way can, can feel like a hurdle, Mm -hmm. but I, I was just so afraid of, of doing that wrong. And I ended up joining a group and they challenged me to get onto Instagram and to, um, to do a 30 day challenge, Instagram live, and just to go on their live. I was scared Mm -hmm. to death and I did it. And now I have Lifescape TV and I go on live every Saturday And I just talk about business concepts. It's great because it forces me to think about the business concepts and show up and practice using Mm -hmm. my voice out loud. I never would have done that if somebody didn't say, don't try to get it right. 
just do it. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a book, uh, Winging It by Emma Isaacs, which is kind of just the same. It's like, like if you if you wait to be perfect, you're never going to go anywhere because you're never going to start. <laughs> Nothing, like any, everything can like always be improved. But I love that. And kind of taking back to what you said earlier, where um, starting your business, you had a mentor. Now you have this group. How important has like collaboration with other people and community help shaped your growth in your business because your business is hitting, I think you said seven figures, like you're, you're killing it. You're doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mentorship is real, has been very, very important. So, um, early on, I was, uh, collaborating with a lot of different contractors. So, uh, early on, I was kind of the flower girl out there. I did a lot of florals and perennials before they were, um, and planters and things before they were kind of a sexy thing that now everybody does. But um, the contractors, you know, these were like the bigger, burlier guys and they'd build stuff with, you know, with, with stone and, and big machines. Um, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't get that wow factor. Mm -hmm. So um, I did a lot of collaboration there and, um, you know, very early on got to start seeing what the larger construction projects look like. And, and so, I was, I was able to get my legs under me doing, so we own um, some midsize equipment now and, you know, we're able to do work and that was important to me. And those, the gentlemen that I worked with um, were great. They were really, really good teachers. And then I have always been involved with associations. So in my world, trade is, so I'm a trade service trade, you know, um, so all of the service trades from, landscapers to builders, electricians, plumbers, all of us, we all have associations. We all have different certifications and licensing and being involved in the associations is really, really interesting. And it, I think important. Um, and when you're involved in the associations, it's kind of like you have this whole tribe sure. of people that do what you do. And I know other industries have associations as well. Um, but then I, I started doing community service and that ended up being another real big one. And I learned about conservation, um, wetland protection and all of that. And I started volunteering for my town. And when I was doing that, I, I tapped into the ability to get education through volunteering. So mm -hmm. not only just the act of volunteering, but they actually paid for me to become a certified commissioner, oh, wow. um, conservation commissioner. So that collaboration has been really great. None of it has cost me more than like a minor membership and connecting. And, um, and then I took the big leap to hire coaches. And I think that's when my business really started to move, be able to move into the multiple seven figures to be able to um, run as a corporation, to have management teams and things like that. Um, because those coaches, they really they really push, you know, it's like they, mm -hmm. they ask for your, um, like for your permission to call you out on the stuff mm -hmm. that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was new for me and it was really, really great. And in that I, I did some peer group work where I traveled around the country and looked at other companies like mine. So mm -hmm. I think the biggest takeaway for me and, and is always look to see if what you're in has either an association or a group, a community group, um, you know, things like the town business organizations. 
because there are always people in there that are, would just love to help, Mm -hmm. would love to just tell you what they know and talk to you. And that, I mean, I'm one of them. I always tell students because I do a lot of teaching. It's like, if you want to have a chat about the industry, you know, talk to me. I've been in it my, almost my entire lifetime. Like, Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah. So I think, I just think reaching out to associations, man, that's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. And just that first step of reaching out, like not everyone, you know, wants to like gatekeep the industry. Like it's fun for them to share it. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, and, about everything I've done. <laughs> yeah. And with associations, you can hide, you can be a little bit of a wallflower initially. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm, I'm definitely outgoing, but it, you know, it would seem kind of weird, but I'm definitely shy when it's like big rooms. Like I kind of, I'm, I'm not a big room person. I love being on stage in a big room, but I don't want to be in the big room. So yeah. it took me a long time and associations really helped me to be behind the scenes. And where I learned to get out in front was when I was invited to be on the board of directors, mm-hmm. then I couldn't hide anymore, but, um, but it's great. Cause you can go at your own pace. Sure. Yes. No, that is so true. You can set your pace. Yes. And your coach can push you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So with your coaching then, um, what are some, like, what's that process like? And what are some of the like biggest hurdles you're helping people kind of overcome with their, with their yeah. So my like- coaching, <laughs> my coaching is regenerative, it's regenerative business coaching. It started out as, um, kind of like, um, taking the lifescape method and, and applying it to business. Um, and then what I realized is with, especially with the trades, um, and I focus on the trade. So landscaping will always be my sweet spot. All the people within the, the earth trades as it were, Um, But then also anybody who's working in the building trades, because we all really deal with the same things. And one of the main things that we deal with as as companies is understanding how to build our companies up so that they are honorable, right? Mm -hmm. So that we're able to stand with our head very up high and and feel very proud and honorable and honored in our work. And Mm -hmm. one of the things, interestingly, that I've helped a lot of owners overcome is the fact that, you know, their brother's a banker and their best friend from college, you know, is, you know, owns... I don't know, like a retail store or whatever. And they, those seem like real businesses and our business still has that. It's not a real business kind of feel. Mm -hmm. So really helping to build self-esteem and pride and um, helped business owners to work, to make bold, decisive decisions that are unapologetic. So I don't need to apologize that I chose to be, you know, a landscaper, a dirt worker, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a big part of it. And I think there's a lot of healing that needs to happen for owners. And that healing really is about helping them to build their business so that it creates a fulfilling lifestyle as opposed to becoming a slave to their business. Mm -hmm. So I help owners to move away from owning a job to move into owning a business. So things that would seem so simple, like carving out time to work on the business, carving out time to really create a recruiting strategy that is actually connected to a retention strategy mm-hmm. because recruiting without retention is a, is a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really, really common problem in small business is revolving door employees. And mm-hmm. that keeps you down. 
Um, so for me, it's very big around culture building and helping to create health and wellness. So again, you can see the correlation with the landscape. Mm-hmm. It's building that organization, the health and wellness, so that you can have that pop of wow, which is the it's the showing of the spark of passion that got you into it in the first place. And for every business, that's a little bit different. And the beautiful thing about that is that's where your branding comes from. That's where the unique selling proposition comes from, from that wow factor. But if the wow factor uh, is, is without the health and the organization, it's flimsy. It can't hold up. So I help people to work and to really solidify. And oftentimes the biggest takeaway for, for my business owners is they really, they start making more money. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, just like forming like the the retention thing and just creating that ecosystem, that, that sustainable ecosystem within a business. Like that is so right. And I love that you use that word because it that it that's so it, right? Yeah, I mean, right, yeah. That's it's it's you don't go inside and all of a sudden we're not a biological life form. Mm-hmm. Like we need that ecosystem. We need that psychological safety. And and um, and it's interesting because in my world, there's a lot of toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of a lot of bro energy and toughness. And it's like, I don't need to do that. But oftentimes it's it's the men who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding that you can build psychological safety and still be strong and brave and courageous and able-bodied and all of that, but still their psychological safety. I think a lot of times people don't think those things can coexist, but they really can. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I love it. What yeah. was it like kind of breaking into that uh, more male dominated field, like with that and kind of how you uh, shaped your business to focus on what you're talking about, creating like healthier ecosystems? That's a great, that's a great question. I, um, my father was a a pretty dominating guy and I was a firstborn. My father was Middle Eastern Armenian. I'm first generation Armenian here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, this is the story that I have in my head. Um, but you know, most Middle Eastern men are looking for a son. Mm -hmm. And so, um, as their firstborn, And I I don't think my father differentiated. I think I was born and my father just decided I was his firstborn and I was going to be like the capable son. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he just, he, he didn't pull his punches at all, literally and figuratively, but you know, he just didn't. And so, so I think I, I think I learned to sort of stand up to, to masculine Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't to necessarily fight it, but was to tap into the masculine. We all have masculine feminine energies within Mm -hmm. us. And so very early on, I tapped into the masculine energy and, and felt my ability to do anything that a man could do. And my father just corroborated it. And quite frankly, so did my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I was very lucky that sort of the trauma in my life set me up for that, but then also, you know, even though things didn't go terrific, um, my parents did love me. I always felt loved. So I feel like that's really what helped me. So when I got out into the construction world, I was unfazed by it. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it just, you know, it didn't phase me. I will say though, it took me becoming a mother to really begin to, or, or moving into that space of wanting to be a mother um, where I was able to start to embrace the feminine, meeting my husband, falling in love, feeling love, like as a very anchored thing, as opposed to using anger, 
-hmm. as my energy. So I really think that now it's funny because I am very able to be very, very strong feminine energy in the masculine space. Whereas when I was younger, I was always trying to cultivate the masculine energy in the masculine space, if that makes any sense. Um, That's all learnable. Everybody, I work with a lot of women business owners who are really working to release that because it's, it's difficult, but I'm also working with men who are, they want to embrace their feminine energy. Mm -hmm. So it's very cool. That is very cool. And yeah, thank you for sharing everything about your journey and your business. And I just have one last question, which is one I always love hearing about the, the what or who inspires you just day to day. Oh, goodness. Um, You know, I am absolutely positively inspired by trade business owners. I think people who do trade work are amazing because they are, I I consider them the makers of our world. If our world were to start falling apart, those are the hands and minds that would rebuild it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just feel like nothing, I, I just get so lit up when I'm able to talk to somebody who wants to build something, who wants to create something that just, for me, that, that has always been huge. And, and I gotta say right now, like my kids are such an amazing, um, like beacon for me Mm -hmm. because I'm watching them unfold as adults, um, in high uh, college and, Um, And then they come back and teach me and it just keeps my mind pliable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really feel like those lessons are absolutely everywhere. And the two of them, I tell you, and I have a, I have a bonus daughter too, and she's awesome. She works for me and her too. Like they all just, they just keep me on my toes and keep me learning. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. I I loved this conversation. I love learning more about your business and what you're doing and how to apply those things and think big picture businesses, think big picture of how you're working and just and your life and connection with nature and so many takeaways in this episode. Yay! <laughs> thank you so I'm so much. happy. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lay the Course podcast brought to you by Vela Creative Co. Connect with us at laythecoursepodcast.com or on Instagram at laythecoursepodcast. Until next time.